Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of Healthy, Wealthy, and Smart. I am your host, Karen Litzy, and I want to thank you all for tuning in today. And as you know, uh, if you if you listen to the podcast regularly, it's been a little sporadic the past couple of weeks, and that's because I'm just finishing up my DPT right now. So kind of heading into the home stretch, and it's just been hard to keep up the podcast and get all these papers and whatnot done to finish the DPT. But I have a couple of uh, really great interviews lined up for the next couple of weeks, so stay tuned for the next couple of weeks. We have some good stuff coming up. And speaking of good stuff, today I am interviewing, so if you're on Twitter, you probably have been, and you're a PT, You've probably been in a couple of conversations with Cynical PT. So the Twitter handle is at Cynical PT. And today I am happy to have him on the show. And just so everyone knows, it's he's actually a real person. It's not just a Twitter handle. So I just want to say welcome to the show. It's good to be here. Okay, so today what we're going to talk about is a couple of different things. Um, first, we're going to talk about if you are a PT business owner and you're thinking of hiring someone, what should you look for in that person to hire them? I've done a couple of shows with students and with people looking for jobs, so we've sort of talked about what to do when you're the job seeker. So we're just going to kind of flip the script today and talk about when you're the person looking to hire someone else which I think more and more PTs are, are becoming entrepreneurs or they want to at some point become entrepreneurs. So I think this is a really good topic. Um, and then hopefully we'll have time. We're going to talk about uh, just some social media stuff, do's and don'ts and, and that kind of thing. So, okay, let's jump in on kind of what to look for when you are hiring a physical therapist. So first question is, what do you look for on a resume? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, things like school and um, those kind of things are, are good, really, insofar as, you know, if I have a connection with a professor, I can get a hold of. Um, mm-hmm. um, you know, some schools have a little bit better reputation than others. Um, if they're coming out of a, a specific kind of program with a, a heavier emphasis on something that I'm not particularly fond of, but um, resumes are, I don't pay a lot of attention to them okay. because uh, most most people have spent a lot of time fine-tuning. It's kind of looking at house listings, and they'll say, uh, move in ready, you know, three-bedroom, great view. Um, you show up, and it's absolute shit. <laughs> so uh, if, if I do know some of the references on the resume, some CIs, if they're listed, mm-hmm. if it's a new grad, um, former employers that I might have some connections to, I will I will use that to to run down information. But um, other than that, I, I'd much rather get info from a face to face. So mm-hmm. I I always try to um, try to make that connection anyway. The you know if if the resume is horrific, then that's a deal breaker, obviously. Of course. But 
Of course. And let's say you're, you're sifting through resumes. You have some people that, you know, you, you'd like to bring in for an interview. Um, do you Google these people? Are you looking, uh, Googling, are you looking up maybe if they're on social media, if they have a, if they're on Facebook or if they're on Twitter, are these things that you're investigating as a future employer and, and why would you look those up? If you oh, did. absolutely. Uh -huh. There's, there's zero chance that they make it through the door without me getting um, as much intel as I possibly can. Mm -hmm. um, one thing that I'm particularly big on is um, not always, but you can generally guess what future behavior is going to be like based on past behavior. Mm -hmm. So if you can pull up their social media and there's a lot of questionable content um they seem like a hothead mm. if uh if there's a lot of drinking pictures things um things like that it kind of lets you know what their personality is too um and very rarely is there uh a definite no when you see someone's stuff but there mm. are times where it's just been don't waste your time coming here because I don't want to talk to you yeah and so as as an employer do you feel like this is something all employers should be doing before they bring someone in they they'd be absolutely dumb mm -hmm. um, one of the interesting things that um, a lot of the younger crowd doesn't re realize is how public that information really is mm -hmm. um, a lot of the older generation is a little bit more leery of putting personal stuff online, but um, the younger kids, uh, they don't really see how those choices and pictures and comments can um, be seen farther down the road. Right, right. And just because it's buried in your Twitter feed or in your Facebook feed doesn't mean that it has disappeared from the Internet. Yeah. Yeah, so I think yeah, and, those are important to remember. And 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 how that those things can come back to haunt you. I, I think a lot of them aren't um, really aware of that. I'll take for example, um, young females. You ladies have it much much harder than us ugly guys, um, because the more uh, public your profile and your pictures. What a lot of people don't realize is it, not only am I accessing that, but your future clientele is. And if you desire privacy and not creepy guys stalking you, it's really important that you are aware of what you're putting out there. Mm -hmm. Not just from an employability standpoint, but that's the first conversation I have with all my employees. I, I, prefer them to be active in social media. I prefer them to be normal humans and have fun and um, be engaging and stuff that we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. uh, but I tell them to be really careful what they put out there because that's going to be seen not just to reflect on the on the business side, but on, on them. And I've had a lot of female students and and therapists that have had some kind of creepy mm. 
situations come up because because of that. Yeah, so I think that's that's actually a good point for uh, physical therapists looking to hire mm -hmm. is to actually sit down and have that conversation. Let's say you do hire someone. I think it's important to sit down and have that conversation with your new hire, your potential uh, new hire, just so that, you know, sort of they know what your expectations are. And also just like you said, for, for women, just for safety purposes, really. And, uh, but I think that's important. I think a lot of employers may not necessarily think of that when they are sitting down and kind of interviewing someone for a job. Um, which takes me into my next question. So in your opinion, what are, what are the most important questions to ask during an interview? Like, so do you have like a group of questions that you sort of ask everyone? Um, for the most part, but they're the lame interview questions. Um, I'm not that creative mm -hmm. um, with that, but if I can find out stuff about them, uh, I, I like to kind of bring that up. Okay. Um, just if, you know, if I can tell that they've got a sporty background, things, one of the things that um, I look for is past job experience is really important to me. Not even, even if they're a new hire, mm -hmm. do they have experience working in the real world? Have they had a job, preferably a, a really shitty job that they've um, probably hated? Are they are they able to be a hard worker? Um, a lot of that's uh, scratch that. Not a lot, but there is a trend I'm seeing with a lot of the DBTs coming through is huge entitlement mm -hmm. issues and and thinking that they're going to show up, make a truckload of money, be able to put in, um, you know, a little bit of work, not have to work hard. And I don't want anything to do with those. Um, I, you know, I want, I want to know that they've, they've had jobs before. Um, cause I'm a, I can be, a, a bear to work with at times. So. And it not necessarily a PT job before no not at all no I want to know if they um, unloaded trucks for a retail store and I want to know you know if they waited tables and um, yeah non-PT I don't non really care about you know the PT stuff matters if I can get some kind of idea for a reference but yeah. and and how do you in the interview process sort of weed those people out? You know, how do you kind of, is this just a judgment call on your part? Is this after sitting down and having a conversation and, you know, realizing that they maybe never worked a day in their life, but they could still be a really hard worker? Yeah, yeah, well, that's the hard part. I guess it depends how desperate I am. <gasps> what? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I don't mind. I don't mind new hires mm -hmm. or new grads at all. But I do like to. You can get a pretty good feel for their personality as you start to dig into some of those things. Mm -hmm. So that that I like to bring up. I also like to bring up a lot of non PT related stuff 
you know, they're just coming out of school. They're ready to talk about what they learned and all that stuff. I don't really care about. Um, I guess I would ask it if I felt like they were incompetent, but they probably wouldn't be there anyway if they were. So um, I like to ask about what their hobbies are, what they have interest in outside of PT. That's actually something that's really important for me that someone who would work for me um, has a life, is active in something, ideally active in the community. That doesn't have to be any crazy volunteer work or anything, mm -hmm. but just have a passion about something outside of PT. It helps to balance people out. Mm -hmm. um, those that are live, you know, breathe, eat, die, PT, and spend all their time looking up PT research articles, um, you can get pretty burned out on that pretty fast. So it, it does help to know that they have kind of a balanced life. Mm -hmm. It doesn't really matter what. It just matters that they have something. And so I think it's interesting that you bring up um, if all they're doing is research and, and uh, into PT articles and, and uh, journals and things like that. Um, <clears throat> wouldn't that make them more desirable knowing that, you know, they're trying to better themselves and trying to learn and. Yeah. Well, to a, to a to certain a, extent, uh -huh. I want to know that they're self-motivated. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I don't, uh, there's very few things that are more important than that. If they can be self-motivating, mm -hmm. I don't want to have to be the type of person to constantly be on their ass to to do and see and, and get things done. I want to know that they're able to um, not only get stuff done on, on the clinic level, but on a, on a professional, personal level. I mm -hmm. like to know that, you know, that this is what they read, this is what they listen to, this is um, how they continue to grow and learn. That's very, very important. But sometimes you find you can find out a lot about somebody's personality if they're relatable with other people mm -hmm. um, a lot of pts have the they give off the impression that they're not socially hmm, adept and and they can be kind of awkward in their interactions with um with the clients mm -hmm. so so that's really important to me is that they're very genuine with clients that um, they're able to talk in a language that the client understands that they don't just you know rattle off high level stuff and there's a time and a place for that but mm -hmm. um, but that yeah so that is important to to a certain degree but the balanced out portion is is equally okay so let's see we've got uh so you look for sort of self-motivators uh, being relatable to other people, being genuine, have a balance. What else are you looking for? Let's just say straight up personality wise. What kind of a of a personality do you feel fits best within your workplace? And what kind of do you what what do you look for? And and what advice would you give to other employers as far as uh, personality of others? Yeah. You would think being having a bunch of extroverts would probably be your best option, <clears throat> but it's it's also important to have a mix of personalities. If you have a ton of extroverts, 
talking about themselves all the time in the clinic, not allowing the patient to speak much. Mm. Um, it can it can be a bad thing as well. Sure. So you don't you don't need the life of the party guy. Um, it it can be really good to have some of the not shy but quieter therapists. <clears throat> a lot of clients will feel a lot more open to talk if they're given the chance, mm-hmm. and they're working with a therapist who. Um, who is willing to ask them questions and engage them. Um, so it's, it can be kind of a, a balancing act. I, and I suppose that depending on the dynamics of the clinic, if you've got a sports meds clinic, a lot of young athletes that you're going to need um, somebody who's, who's not afraid to raise their voice mm-hmm. and be active. But if you've got a geriatric clinic or business that you're gearing for, um, it's not always a good thing to have the bubbly person. I respectfully disagree. I used to work because I used to work um, in a geriatric setting, like a skilled nursing yeah. setting, and I think you know, it's you don't have to be bubbly all the time. But yeah. I don't know. I think a lot of uh, older people, at least you know, I, I was in a seventy-five and older kind of crowd. And I think they appreciated a little bit of bubbliness because a lot of their day is spent just kind of sitting around. Oh, yeah. And and I think also I think it's important as the therapist, and maybe this is something that you that you also look for, is that they can sort of adapt themselves to the situation or to the person. Yeah. You know, so every person uh, is different, and the way you relate to them is different, and. Mm-hmm. You know, what I also found um, interesting uh, when you said about, you know, if you have that sort of life of the party patient kind of talking about their what's going on with them all the time with their patients, like that's a big problem. Like, do you find that to be? Sometimes, I find that I think that can be can, a problem. Well, and sometimes you can see that immediately in the interview. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it can be difficult because if they're a new grad, they're nervous as hell. Sure. Um, they might have a nervous chatter, things like that. That I don't pay too much attention to that because as you grow as a therapist, you get a lot more comfortable. We were all scared as hell with sure. our first our first client load. Oh, absolutely. Um, and those of us who don't admit that are lying. So <laughs> that doesn't bother me near as much. Yeah. If well, this is another reason where I I generally don't like to hire the former athlete PT. Sometimes that's their their only their one trick pony with communicating with clients is sports, mm. and I'm I like sports. Don't get me wrong, but that's not gonna that's not gonna be able to connect with a large portion of clientele. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. if and that kind of goes back to hobbies. If you if you know that they are a really outdoorsy person, um, you know they have varied interests probably makes them a little bit more open to be able to connect with different crowds of people than just the one thing. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. And a lot of times, you know, in order to really reach that patient, you kind of need a way in. You yeah, know? absolutely. And, and sometimes that, that way in can be whatever that way in is, you know, whether it's with someone who's in their 90s or someone who's nine. 
You know, you have to definitely find that way in and be able to, to adapt. And because like what I've found is, you know, especially in initial eval and, and you let me know what kind of your thoughts, um, you know, like I sit down and sort of tell them to like tell you their story and, and I find if you're overly clinical in your sort of checklist of asking questions, you don't really get a lot of answers sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes, especially in like, I work with a lot of teenagers, like you are not, yeah, you are not getting a lot out of those teenagers, but as they speak, sometimes I'll interject and say, oh, well, I... X, Y, Z, you know, and then they, they sort of calm down a little bit and they're able to kind of give you a little more information to help you to help them, you know, to treat them. So, so yeah, I think that's, it's interesting for, uh, an interesting, uh, thought for employers is to really look for people with some varied interests so that at some point your therapist can find their way in to better treat their, their client or their patient. Well, and I'm I'm really big on. I I don't need a lot of clinical expertise skill as much as I want somebody who's who has um, great soft skills, mm. um, great communication skills, patient rapport, likable personality, not stoic, but not overly um, in your face either, too. Um, I, I am cynical by nature, uh, but a lot of, a lot of treatment techniques that we use will change. I've seen so many fads come and Mm -hmm. go. So I'm not really as big on my therapist having super defined skills as that they're relatable. I think if you can win that patient over to you, you, you know that's 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 huge you can have a really shitty treatment plan looking back there's so many clients that i've had that should have failed when you when you look at the way we used to treat Mm. and and to be able to know that they trusted you they bought in um they completed their home exercise program they were confident optimistic they turned out really, really well, uh, despite maybe some flawed treatment options. I think there's a huge portion that of that that gets way overlooked in clinical education. And a lot of these kids will have a CI that's got their special little gizmo that every client gets and mm-hmm. they get the spiel on why K-tape is the best thing and they have to K-tape every client or they have to do this particular style or myofascial release or all these all these mm-hmm. different things and a lot of kids get hung up on that they have to have kind of their specialty niche right away um which if i guess if you're going into a very specific setting that's important but otherwise if you're relatable if your patient likes you um i think a lot of that is um taken care of Absolutely. And, you know, I, late, as of late, a lot of the, a uh, lot of articles, I know um, Larry Benz wrote one, an article last year for uh, Evidence of Motion, but there's been so much more talk about empathy, 
in yeah. in the world of medicine, but you know, even specifically in the world of physical therapy, that now even more medical schools are re- requiring a bit of empathy training. You know, the for instance, the Cleveland Clinic had did empathy training for every single one of their employees from the CEO down to the the cleaning person. Um, and, and that's because when a patient walks into the Cleveland Clinic, they said the patient has the chance to come in contact with 100 people that day. And every single one of those 100 people need to be on the same page for that patient. So is, is empathy something that you can gauge uh, during an interview? And if so, how do you do that? Well, this is kind of a trick on my part. Um, I make sh- I make sure that I'm not available quite yet at the start of the interview. So they have to sit there at the front desk for a while. And we scout out how they interact with the front desk person, mm. who I believe is the absolute most important person in the clinic. And if they are really cold and stoic they might they might be nervous too so it's not a foolproof gauge but i like to see if they are able to um, strike up a conversation if they're able to make a connection because that's what they're going to do with a new client coming Mm -hmm. in the door are they able to be comfortable and relatable um, to someone they've never met before um, so that's that's kind of a, a way that we can be sneaky to mm-hmm. see kind of a little glimpse into their personality as well. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that makes that makes a lot of sense. And and you know, even if you're nervous, and of course you're all nervous on on an interview. You know, regardless of whether you're a new grad or you're seasoned PT, I think you're always nervous. Um, I feel like I haven't been on an interview in like, I don't know, eight years maybe, but <laughs> that's because, you know, I work for myself, so there goes that interview, um, and with the clinic that I worked at most recently, my friends owned it, so it was, wasn't really much of an interview process, but um, I do remember the last time I interviewed, it was for, to work for The Lion King on Broadway. And here I've been out, you know, eight years or so, and I was still nervous. But even through those nerves, I think you still have to find a way to kind of let your personality come through. Absolutely. And I think as the interviewer, so as the the potential employer, do you have any tricks for other potential employers to kind of help people be a little more at ease during an interview? Um, And I I mean... That's a good question. Yeah, right? yeah, I know. It just came into my head. Otherwise, I would have emailed it to you earlier today with the other questions. <laughs> um, I I try to I try to start off with some of the the hobby stuff, kind of as a as an icebreaker stuff. Mm-hmm. What got you into PT? Some of those really lame questions that we always ask. But mm-hmm. I try to I try to just get it more in a conversational aspect um, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really that smart. Um, you know, I didn't go to a lot of classes on this stuff, so some of this shit I just make up as I go along. Mm-hmm. So I know there's a lot of flaws to it, but I just try to make it be as um, 
normal of a conversation as possible. Right. Um, you know, I dress down for the interview. I try to have the interview not behind a desk, those kinds of things. Okay, that, uh, that makes a difference. Just to, just to make it a little bit more comfortable um, of, a, of a situation. No, actually, that makes a lot. There, I think those are, those are some really good tips for for other uh, employers kind of looking to interview. Um, so, we sort of hit a little bit upon this, but getting back to the skill set, what is most important to you? Do you look at a GPA? Do you look at a fellowship? A residency? Continuing education programs they might have taken? The school they went to? Etc. Etc. How important are those? Because you know, in the end, you do want someone with some skill. You know, personality is great, and and that certainly takes you a long way, and that certainly uh, helps kind of find your way in with the patient. And 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 as we all know, like you said, the front desk person is the most important person in your clinic mm-hmm. because treatment of that patient starts the moment they walk in the clinic. You Absolutely. know, and that starts with the front desk. That's person. the first impression that the that the Absolutely. client gets of the clinic. Absolutely. Is, is, a, is there either a smile or somebody's or, snarly face? Or is it a frenzied tornado yeah. back there and the PT That's, comes out and they're all disheveled and, you know, out of, out of breath? So, so taking into, t- putting that out of it, and let's look specifically at skill sets, um, and, and what do you take into consideration there? Some of those things are big to me. Um, I do want to know that they're somewhat book smart. <clears throat> that you know they have a genuine. If you can see that they have a genuine interest in learning, mm-hmm. I I always encourage them to you know if they have a particular field that they are passionate about to mm-hmm. dive into those things. I don't try to make them into an image of me. A mini me. I'm not that good of a therapist, actually, so I don't I don't need any more of me. But uh, I do like them to be moldable, and sometimes when they come out of residencies, hell, if they've had a terrible or if they've had a um, a really strong-willed CI that tried to kind of pre-mold them a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally not a fan, then you have to kind of do some retraining on, on what we want for the, for the clinic. So, um, some of those things are, are great. Con Ed, um, Con Ed's great. Um, I'm like almost all therapists. We're all a little bit of a nerd. Mm -hmm. Uh, Otherwise we wouldn't be in this, in this field. Mm -hmm. Um, so those those kinds of things, what they've learned, what they've isn't is really important, but it it's very important for me that they are um, willing to continue to learn, moldable, open minded, open minded, yeah. yeah. Because I mean, depending on your setting, um, they may have a certain interest that's not going to be really fulfilled in the clinic mm-hmm. that you're at, and mm-hmm. that's a that's a very good thing to bring up as soon as you can identify it, mm-hmm. whether that's going to be something that you, you can tell that their first opportunity to find a situation like that, they're going to bolt for anyway. 
Got it. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's smart. I think it's important as the clinic owner uh, to be upfront and honest with things that are offered at your clinic and maybe things that aren't or because, you know, I always look at it. Yes, you're interviewing the PT or the potential PT, but they're also kind of interviewing you and getting a feel of the clinic and seeing, is it going to work for them? Absolutely. You know, so I think being upfront and, and honest of saying, well, you know, we don't have that program at clinics, clinic A, um, and I don't foresee that happening versus, you know, we don't have that program. Maybe we can work with you to develop it. Yeah, you know, exactly. Which is, which is also willing a, to take ownership of that. Yeah, that, yeah. That is that is by far the best thing they could say. Sure, <clears throat> sure. That's the part of the self motivated um, critique. And okay, uh, so taking everything that we've sort of said into account, qualifications, qualities of the new hire. What is your ideal candidate? If you were to create an avatar of your ideal employee, what would that avatar be like? And, and is that something that you do, actually? Uh, there's a good question. I think that's, that, that's kind of interesting. I think as, a, as the clinic owner, I think you should have kind of an ideal employee avatar, if you will, in mind, so that when you're interviewing, you know, are you kind of getting a feel for this person that they'd fit within your clinic? Mm -hmm. There's a certain kind of a range, mm -hmm. what I would say, mm -hmm. that you're looking for. Every clinic has its own personality, and you want to make sure that that person will fit in there. Sure. <clears throat> if you've got, a, obviously, a sports medicine clinic, and you're going to hire someone who has no background in sports, you know, those things are... Those things are important. So a lot of that would depend on the on the specific clinic. I know from from my end that I am kind of looking for um, a range in the personality spectrum mm -hmm. and um, and some of those other things like I alluded to with hobbies and things. I want I want somebody who's who's well balanced. Uh, it's actually a good thing that if they have a family and uh, you can tell that they're in a in a position where they want to you know, settle in, kind of find their niche. Mm -hmm. um, you want them to be uh, ambitious. I'm as upfront as I possibly can be with every employee because I was on the side once or twice where you take a job with the world promised to you and then you quickly find out that that, that is not the situation yep. in that facility. Yep, uh, I've had it happen too. You know, everybody says, great mentorship here, great mentorship. And then you get there and it's like, by the way, you're going to be seeing, you know, 12 to 15 clients a day, every mm -hmm. day, mm -hmm. and you're not getting mentorship, of yeah. course. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's a lot of uh, traps and pitfalls that the prospective employee needs to be aware of. It's good to get there early mm. to observe the clinical setting, to see kind of what the pace, what the sure. temperature of the room is. Um, some, some clinics are, are cold to new people coming in as a huge red flag for you to, you know, as a new therapist coming in on their turf. Sure. Um, so I'm, I'm as upfront as possible. I say, this is what, this is what we're looking for. This is what we need. Um, this is what we're offering. This is what we're not offering. Mm -hmm. Because if they, if they get into, 
into the job and it's a bad fit, not only is it hell for me to deal with, but for them as well. And their quality of, of therapy and everything else will be affected as well. Sure. Because if they're not happy, you're yeah. not happy. It's just not a good situation to be in. And, and you know, I don't know if it's hard to say oh, everybody's been in that situation. I know I've been in that situation. A lot of us have. Yeah, I think a lot of people have. And I've been in that situation. I have to say one of the happiest days was the day I quit. <laughs> I've been there. I was I've like, been there. Yes, I am quitting. <laughs> and I was oh, man, so excited. Feeling. And it was great. It was awesome. Um, but that's a whole other story. Okay. So let's kind of shift gears a little bit. Let's talk about social media. So yep. kind of like you alluded you said before, you know, you're Googling potential candidates. You're seeing if they have a social media presence. So are they on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn? I don't even know, Pinterest, I guess. I don't know if PTs care that much about Pinterest, but it's out there. Um, so what are your, and this has for possible employees, fine, but just in general, for the general PT public, what are your, your in your opinion, your biggest do's and don'ts on, uh, on social media? Well, let's take the Twitter since you're on... Yeah, Twitter a lot. So let, social let's... media is actually a big thing for me. One of the reasons I I started the whole cynical PT thing is because I have experience running social media accounts. Okay. And websites, and um, got something coming up in the near future where we're trying to. Um, well, I'm not. I'm just going to get some money for publicizing it. Um, uh, web development. Uh, for small PT clinics mm -hmm. uh, as well. But the advice I give for, for those, <clears throat> for the clinics that are on, is don't just advertise. Don't use it. Don't use social media as a commercial. Totally. Um, it's, it's the worst thing in the world when you're following that PT and all they do is put out links to their own shit. Or did you know, here are the five things physical therapy can help you with. Nobody clicks on that link. Nobody, except me, to make fun of it. Mm -hmm. um, but a, a lot of times we don't, we don't even understand the language that our prospective clients use. We're, we interact with each other so much, whether it be on Twitter or um, in, on a personal level at PT Pub Night, that we can't get out of that language out of the like physical therapy jargon type of stuff yes, or exactly. okay exactly I've, I've i've overheard so many pts describing the disease process or what's going on or pain education and being right on but there's zero chance the client even understands what the hell you're talking about um there's no quicker way to lose an audience than to step up with your technical jargon mm -hmm. in a place where that's not needed. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, the, the commercials, the constant advertising of yourself gets really boring really fast. Mm -hmm. There's a fine line, but you want to be more interactive, um, social. That's what it's there for. Mm -hmm. Ask questions, be involved. Um, you don't want to put people down. I can violate that rule because I'm a bastard, but um, you 
you know, the more enemies you make, it's mm-hmm. a terrible business plan. Yeah. And, and, and that really spreads around yeah. the community, especially in the PT community, you know, when, yep. when you're kind of nasty to people <clears throat> on social media, um, that's known. Absolutely. You know, and then, and all of a sudden, you know, I remember being at CSM last year in Las Vegas and sitting with a group of people, some were educators, a dean of a PT school, and and my a friend, I was there with a friend, and we were talking about a, a very, a particularly nasty interaction on Twitter. And this was one of the people involved did some continuing education at the school. And the dean was like, her face just went like white, and she was like, ah. I had no idea. Like, how could I have this person come back and do any educational things at my school? So that's kind of how that negative behavior can can come around to kind of bite you in the ass, and Absolutely. and perhaps take it's a little not, chunk of your money. Medium. Yeah, and it's not a medium for venting. Mm-mm. A lot of people don't understand social media. They they use it to. Um, Jerry is a perfect example. Uh, he's he's good about it, um, and he he's able to walk the line, even though he's a douche. I had now, to get that in. I had to get that in there. Not but, nice. <laughs> uh, you know, I look I know. at me. I'm obviously much more attractive than him. <laughs> he's he's very homely. Um, but no comment. Want, you don't want too much. Karen, put your clothes back on. <laughs> okay. Um, so. You want to be approachable. Mm-hmm. You don't want things to come back to haunt you. Uh, the trap that a lot of younger clientele is um, in the habit of making, and I follow them on Twitter, my personal account, um, former clients, I've had young athletes, and they say the dumbest mm. crap ever. They they live their life stream of consciousness through their social media. That's true. And and it's nobody nobody cares ironically, but it sends a, a, a message that might not even be remotely true about who you are mm-hmm. because you say things spur of the moment that you would never say to someone's face ever in a hundred mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you had five minutes to think about it, you would never have hit send. You would deal with it some other way. We used to, back in the day, get mad, yell at the PT, or PT, at the TV drink bourbon, complain loudly about the coach or the officials. Now we can instantly do that on Facebook and Twitter and these other mediums. And once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. So, you know, maybe taking that extra 30 seconds to look at that tweet before you hit send is probably not a bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I think, you know, and I, I agree as far as do's and don'ts. I mean, you don't want to, like, I don't think, I think it's okay to sort of challenge an idea, question an idea, question, you know, a technique or what have you, whatever is, is on that thread, whether it be in, on uh, Facebook or on Twitter. But I think it's a far other thing to be disparaging to someone personally because number one, you, you probably don't know them. Let's be honest. It's Twitter. You know, the odds that you personally know this person are, are pretty slim. Um, but I think just think about what 
if you, would you ever say this to someone's face and then you can decide to hit send or not? Absolutely. You know, and, Absolutely. and that's sort of the bad side of social media, but there's a really great side to social media. You know, it's, it's fantastic. I wish I would have had a lot of these options at my disposal. Although I'm, I'd be scared to death what kind of shit I would say as a teenager. Mm. Yeah, I, teenagers don't have the uh, what is it? The prefrontal lobe that uh, executive sense, the executive exactly. functioning are not quite a hundred percent as a teen. Yeah, one of the things I really recommend to to clinics running social media sites. Mm-hmm. Is to is to be interactive. You're not just speaking out like a commercial. You're asking questions of the audience. You're getting them involved. Post pictures of your clinic. Post pictures of your clients. Get them get them involved. Encourage them to interact with you socially. Have a sign up in the clinic that says, um, "As long as you don't take pictures of other clientele." Feel free to tweet anything you see in this clinic. Mm-hmm. That requires a lot of trust for you that your employees aren't going to do something st- stupid. Right. <laughs> right. But, so, yeah. Which, but, you know, you hired can, them, right? So you, we, you yes. weeded them out after the, the process we just spoke yeah. about. So. And, so, and so being involved in your community in that, in that regard with, um, with clients and being able to put pictures up, tell a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of the um, one of the things I'm passionate about that PTs are so bad at is is the marketing angle. Right. We don't we don't speak the the language of the of the public. Um, why why Kairos, as much as I despise them in general, um, why they are A plus in marketing and most of PT community is D minus is they understand the power of the story. They understand the the power of emotion that goes with it. We'll put a slogan up like, you know, did you know that 60% of all people 60 years and older, nobody cares. Mm-hmm. But if you can, if you can show us, if you can tell a story about grandma Ethel and now that she's able to stay in her home because of XYZ the benefits that you can bring yeah. in therapy, Kairos do it all the time, um, some with incredibly exaggerated claims, mm-hmm. but nobody ever calls them out on it from a public domain. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times we, we think that if we just put the information out there that the clients will get it. And yes, some of them do. I, I'm often amazed by how well-informed some of my clients are, but we all know of lots of clients who have terrible ideas of what really physical therapy is, um, either from what they've heard through a friend or how it's been, you know, the narrative in their brain, what it looks like. Mm -hmm. And we're really bad as a profession on conveying that narrative to them that we're, you know, not pain inducers, that we're, uh, approachable and accessible that we're the first choice for, you know, we can tweet that if you have pain, we're the first choice for that. That doesn't resonate with people. You need mm-hmm. to be able to frame that story um, in that experience. Right. And that's a, a great way to use social media to your advantage. Absolutely. Great. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time, believe it or not. 
We have actually gone over, over time. So um, as we sort of wrap things up, what would you like the listeners to kind of take away from the conversation? Um, that I'm not as big of a uh, jerk as you may have been led to believe. Okay. Um, that um, <sighs> you know, just hopefully, if you can glean some things about what what an employer is going to be looking for on your end. Mm-hmm. Um, the things I look for aren't really the obvious things. I'm looking for interactions um, to get a flavor for the personality and other things. Um, I'm not really looking to be impressed. I'd much rather just see that you can be a normal person as well, and relatable, um, that you kind of grasp the concept of social media. I want my employees involved, mm-hmm. but smart as well. Sounds good and to that, me. And that Karen is, um, is not only incredibly smart, she's also incredibly good looking. Who, me? Yeah. Oh, well, geez, thanks. I'm blushing now. <laughs> Um, well, on that note, let's just end this conversation right now. No, on that note, no, I do want to thank you so much for coming on and taking the time out today. And if anyone wants to get more information or, uh, get a little bit more of your personality, they can find it, uh, on Twitter at cynical PT, right? Absolutely. I get plenty of hate mail anyway, so bring it on. So, well, hopefully it'll be all positive mail after this interview. Um, and if you want uh, more from me, you can follow me on Twitter at, uh, at KarenLitzyNYC, or you can find me at KarenLitzy.com. So thank you again for coming on, and thank you all for listening, and uh, stay healthy, wealthy, and smart.